Hello, this is Wasabi Boat Research, and today I'm talking with Hal69K, aka 1500 Badger LLC, aka Shadowy Crypto Trader. And um, usually on this podcast, we have a, a guest and try to kind of zoom in on one specific topic, but today's going to be a little different, a little uh, looser, because uh, Hal's got a lot of interesting stuff going on between his general knowledge of crypto trading and investing and his newsletter, uh, Foot Guns, which is a um, kind of crossover with uh, crypto trading and uh, TradFi trading, and also Hal's work on the BadgerDAO uh, Council. So we're going to kind of jump around um, between a lot of different things, but I've been uh, chatting with Hal a lot lately, and he's got a lot of uh, super good uh, opinions and alpha that I will attempt to extract in this conversation. So uh, Hal, thanks so much for, for coming on today. I'm really happy to be here. Um, let's get started. I, I just got into a bunch of trades because the markets went down and hit my limit buys. And uh, now I'm just going to ignore that and uh, let's record a podcast. Nice. So just just before we got on this call, I, I opened my email and there was the latest issue of, uh, of your newsletter. And I caught a term in there, Fibonacci Golden Pocket. So what is a Fibonacci Golden Pocket? And does that mean I missed my chance to buy Solana and therefore am not going to make it? Yeah, I, I got the term from, I, I like to use TradingView a lot. The The charts on there are really nice, clean. You can um, customize them. Uh, you know, there, otherwise, like the only charts that I found that are useful, like you have to, you know, have a, a paid service. Their, their free charts are really nice. Um, but you can also go in there and look at other people's ideas. Um, and yeah, I, I think that was the first time I heard about it was uh, people throwing around this Fibonacci golden pocket. It, it, it's this thing that happens a lot in crypto specifically where you can take the Fibonacci retracement tool and you, you draw a line from, from like where the, you know, where the price made some sort of bottom and then you draw that up to like where it made a top. So you, you can't, you can't do this until the price has started to like consolidate a little bit. Right. So it had a, had a run up and now it looks like it's coming down a bit. Um, and then you set the Fibonacci um, lines to be at 0 0.5 and 0 0.618. And that in between there tends to be where the price will run back down to, and then everybody will buy in and then, you know, you're off to the races again. So, um, it, it seems to be a trade that just sort of works all the time. Um, and it works on like every crypto that I've seen, really. So you're you're a trader, right? You have kind of a trading mindset. And I, I do not have the, that mindset. I don't look at candles and wicks and resistance and support. Those are things that are just kind of like outside my lexicon. But just, you know, you spend any time on crypto Twitter. That's a lot of what you see. And there's kind of this whole mindset and systems and terminology that's built up around that. So like, I'd love to kind of just explore a little bit about how you how you got into that and how to think like a trader. Uh, I mean, you know, I have a I have like a really, really small account that I mess around with, uh, like equities. I mean, I mostly trade options, actually, um, you know, I, and I pretty pretty fun I, I have like i put like six six grand into the account and last year i got like the um whatever the i can't remember the tax form back or whatever and it was like oh shit i moved uh six hundred thousand dollars of volume 
uh, I ended the year like up like 0.05% or something like that, because it's like a, a for fun account. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm just, I'm like, I'm trying new strategies out. I'm like, you know, if I see something, I'm like, okay, let's see if this idea works. And it, you know, a lot of time it works, but I, I don't really think it's like a repeatable idea. Um, this is your options account. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I do all this in Robinhood because like, again, it's like for funds and uh, it's really easy. Like I, I don't, I, I don't trade anything on my phone except for, um, this Robinhood account, like I'll, uh, I'll just like buy it, you know, if I like, like for instance, like the, um, the markets came down the other day and it was just like an obvious, like buy some calls on the VIX. Uh, I bought like, I don't know, maybe like $400 worth of calls on the VIX, like double my money. Um, so yeah, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I, you know, that, that's not, that's not what I normally do. I mean, I, you, you asked about crypto. I, I, I got really long on Bitcoin after, you know, after the big crash after 2017 and it came down to like, you know, $3,000 and was like hitting $3,000 multiple times. Um, bought a lot of it when it, when it came down, uh, in March, 2020, um, because of, you know, the COVID scare. Um, so that like, for me, that's like, that's like my, my trade, you know, that's the, I'm still in that trade. I'm still managing that trade. Um, I, and then I have like a small amount of my funds that I, you know, I'm looking for new ideas, testing out new things. Um, I'm really good at picking like low cap cryptos that, that go up. So, uh, you know, been, been focusing on that a lot, but yeah, I, I, I like, you know, I think Bitcoin is amazing from a, you know, technological math. Um, I mean, you know, my, my background's in physics. I spent, you know, 12 years basically doing physics simulation work. I was like, you know, I was a data scientist before it was cool. Like, you know, literally there wasn't even like the term when that's what I was doing. Um, some professor like lied to some funding people about what I was doing so that I could continue my work. Um, and, you know, so I, 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 when I saw Bitcoin, I, I, you know, we, we mined like some Dogecoin or something like the day Dogecoin came out and then we lost the, the laptop that that was done on. Mm. Um, absolutely would have bought Bitcoin, but it's just like, like you couldn't, I mean, like, you, you know, uh, first of all, I was too young to like know how to get it through any, like, you know reasonable source so like the only way you could really do is like buy it on ebay right and i I think we tried and just like you know someone just like stole five dollars from us or something um so then i just like ignored it for a long time but like you know i I was watching it and like i just thought it was like the coolest thing that anyone anyone had ever created in the in you know I, i in my opinion bitcoin is the coolest thing since the square root of two was figured out, right? Like it, it, it is something that came out of nowhere. There's nothing else like it. It solves this like problem. You know, most people didn't even know we had this problem of, you know, trustless, um, exchange of value. Um, yeah, I, 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 so yeah, I'm into crypto for just about every reason that you can be into crypto. I trade crypto for a living because I, I need to eat, right? And so, you know, I just, I'm trying to move my life into crypto. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding these, these different ways to make money. And right now the easiest way is just to trade it. 
Um, but yeah, absolutely. I'd love to find some more like, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, maybe being, you know, like, like that, that's the move towards Badger is like, um, if I can, if I can help out in these communities and then, then they can throw me some, some money for helping out, uh, then I don't have to trade, le- you know, trade as much and I can just, you know, go long Bitcoin and wait 10 years or whatever, like everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. So do you, so you have this big Bitcoin position that you're just kind of sitting on and then you're trading kind of like around the margins of that? Or are you getting in and out of your full position in these trades? Yeah, I have Bitcoin. I have Bitcoin that I have like Bitcoin on hard wallets in safes that are, you know, 3000 miles away from me. So like with no, no, no access to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's a that's a really good way to make sure that you don't try and emotionally sell dips. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, you know, I have that. And then um, I, you know, I, I started off with a pretty small portion of that trading over the last two and a half years or so. And now it's become like four or five times bigger than that Bitcoin position. Um, so yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, so, you know, so slowly adding to my Bitcoin core position, it seems like this is a popular thing that I've seen amongst other traders is, um, you know, sort of like, okay, it, it does look like Bitcoin is going to be going up for a long period of time. Um, so, you know, in this short term, like do what you can to get more Bitcoin. That, that's like, you know, that's the Michael Saylor um, <laughs> trade, right? It's just like do everything you can to get more Bitcoin. I don't know if I'm if I'm into that, but um, I, I do think Bitcoin is a pretty easy trade right now. But it seems like if you're outperforming Bitcoin in your trading, why not just go all in on the trading? Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's it's really just like a risk management thing, right? I mean, I'm uh, it's 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 the same reason why you know I, I wrote this article in Footguns um, like three and a half weeks ago or whatever about um, how Popsicle Finance was hacked and how this was like a really really big buying opportunity. And you know, I put I put like five percent of of my account into that, and you know, like more than doubled my money. I'm still in the trade because I think it's it has more room to go. Um, like, why didn't I put 100% of my account into that? I don't know. Like, uh, you know, really, it's it's a risk mm-hmm. management thing, right? Like, what if what if what if I was wrong? What if it went the wrong way, right? Um, well, now I I only lose five percent, right? But instead, you know, now that position is ten percent. You know, so um, yeah. Uh, anyone anyone that says like I'm putting 100% of my you know account into Bitcoin or whatever, I, I'm into that if you realize that you need to have some cash flow, right? Because like that, you, you can't live off of 100% in one position. Um, and like, you, be, you better be ready for that 100% to turn in 50 to 50%, right? Yeah. Are there any other things like ETH or Solana or anything else that you have kind of the same long-term conviction on as Bitcoin or is Bitcoin kind of like the North Star? Yeah, I, I, I like, I really like Ethereum. I'm, I have a pretty big Ethereum position. Again, you know, I, I grew this large position. I, I it, it's one of the things that's hard to do if you're good at, at picking things and, and your positions grow, right? Is like, you know, one of the things that screwed me over many, many times is like, okay, I, I like whatever, I 10x my money or something. Instead, instead of instead of then taking on like 
similar position sizes to what I was taking on. Now I'm like, okay, well, let's 5X my position size because I got all this money now, right? And then you just like give it mm-hmm. all back, right? So, you know, I, I, I've started to realize that there's a big demand for stable coins in the markets. I mean, you can, you can just see what's happened every time the prices have come down, right? There's been just this like, um, fleeing from you know the the top tier cryptos like Bitcoin and Ethereum into stable coins, and there's all these like yield opportunities right now in DeFi for stable coins. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm I have a lot more stable coins now than I would have in the past because right I made all this money and now I, and now I'm trying to like protect it. Um, so you know, one of the ways that I think to you know to protect it is is Ethereum because I just think Bitcoin and Ethereum are, are going to be sticking around for a while. And, you know, one of my one of my favorite trades right now is um, just putting Bitcoin and Ethereum together in like the SushiSwap or Uniswap LP. Um, and then you just let, you know, let everybody go argue all day about the price and they, they pay you money, right, to, to argue about the price. Yeah, I like that. And I'm thinking about more and more moving, you know, I'm big ETH, I'm big Bitcoin, but yeah, like moving to something like that. I have, I have a lot of ETH in, uh, in the grayscale, uh, thing in my, in my IRA. And like, I used to be really kind of like grumpy that they're charging me this 2% fee, but then it's like, actually, it's almost kind of worth it to like, not be able to spend ETH on like NFTs or like shit coins or just doing, doing stuff. Cause like ETH has, it's just like, this amusement park that I always find myself spending my ETH on other, other trades. So it's almost worth the holding fee just to have it be in this form that I can't really touch and just have to lock it away. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's similar to like what I was saying with the, like my, my Bitcoin position on a, on a hard wallet in the safe. Right. I mean, uh, you know, the, the risk, the risk there is that we get another 50% correction and then, you know, Bitcoin just never comes back, right? But, but you know, the last time that happened, right, Bitcoin was down for three years and then it came back. So what does never comes back look like, right? Um, so, yeah, I, for, for me, that's just sort of like, okay, I wrote that off. I have enough money in U.S. dollars to live off of for, for a while. Um, you know, I, I have job opportunities. I'm a successful trader. I can take a pretty big risk here on Bitcoin and, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So before crypto, one of, one of the things you uh, mentioned at one point, you were doing horse betting as a, as kind of your main thing. How does that, uh, how did that happen and how, uh, how did you end up leaving horse betting or what, what was your kind of like system for that? Oh yeah. Um, I, I am behind an NDA there, so I can only talk so much about it, but um, I, I basically got, uh, headhunted out of my uh, physics position. And, it, you know, at, at the time I had been doing some work uh, interning at a hedge fund. And, um, you know, so I was like, I was learning trading and learning the markets. And, um, you know, I, th- I think it was a natural transition because what I had been doing a lot is like signal analysis. So, you know, just right, trying to find something in a bunch of noise. Um, it's, it's, you know, everybody basically does signal analysis. They don't realize they're doing it. Um, so yeah, the, the horse racing people found me, brought me in, offered me a big fat salary and, you know, basically tried to, um, 
make them some money by, you know, uh, ch changing their models, building new models, upgrading their infrastructure, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, the, the industry itself uh, did not have a great time with COVID because, you know, like a bunch of the tracks shut mm. down and uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, I can't go too much into why I'm not there anymore, um, but it was, it was a great time for me. Um, certainly it was nice to have cash flow to keep adding to my Bitcoin position. Yeah. So like, I guess the question I have for you is that you have this background in statistical modeling and, um, quantitative trading and stuff like that, where, you know, I'm not an expert on this, but the idea is that you're kind of taking in all this data, you're doing machine learning on it, and then you're kind of producing these predictions and basically like humans are in involved lightly or not at all. Maybe there's a kill switch or something like that. Right. It's kind of like the man who solved the market book or like Ren Renaissance. Right, right. Right. But it seems like when I'm reading your stuff about crypto trading, I'm seeing more of like support resistance, Fibonacci. These are kind of things that are like the kind of like old school wall street trader playbook and not this like quantitative finance playbook. So how do you, how do you think about that? Like, are you doing the quant stuff behind the scenes or is that something that doesn't really work yet in crypto? Yeah. I mean, I have a, a much more like complicated system that I use in my trading. Um, but I don't post it because like, A, I, I have a very, like, like, you know, my, my background, one of the things that I did was creating visualizations of like dark matter simulations and, um, like star formation and, you know, things colliding, whatever. Um, so I have, you know, I have a thing for the visual display of quantitative information and, and I don't like to display stuff that's, you know, hard for someone that doesn't really know, like, wait, you know, if you, I, I like to think of like the person that's looking at this knows nothing. Right. And like, so, so how can the visual itself, like show them what I want to show them? Um, so yeah, what I try and do is like, um, you know, let me, let me just take one step back. We have in, in the foot guns publication, you know, the daily newsletter that we put out for our, our paid subscribers, I put out this thing that I call our cheat sheet. And that is, is these levels that I get out of the more complicated system that I use. Um, you know, basically trying to show you like, okay, for, you know, the daily, the weekly, the monthly timeframes, this is kind of where I think the price is going to balance back and forth in between. Um, but when I'm, when I'm, you know, when I'm going to post a chart, um, I'm probably going to go back to something like, you know, a moving average or like, you know, some simple, you know, some simple structures, um, you know, just one, one thing to note though, is like, there's a lot of people in crypto that aren't uh, trading this in a quantitative way. Right. And, and aren't, um, that they are using like these old school tools. Right. So you don't really want to fight the crowd. Right. So if, if everybody is looking at Bitcoin forming this, this double bottom, you know, or otherwise some people refer to it as like a W bottom, um, you know, everybody is just like, cool, like let you buy that because W's go up. Right. But that's not, that's not the reality. Like the reality is that like W's go up more than 50% of the time. Right. But they still also go down. Um, but if everybody, if, you know, if everybody is like having that mentality, that's trading this thing, 
then you know that it, it's that sort of like you know fulfilling the prophecy like if everybody's doing it it's what's going to happen right why fight it why get more sophisticated um and 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 so then what you look out for right is is when does it diverge right and that's what that's what happened in may right in april and may um all of a sudden all these like you know old school you know ta things just stopped working like there were you know all these patterns reforms like okay bitcoin's gonna go up here and then it didn't and it's like oh it's gonna go up here and then it didn't right so that's that's when it's like okay now all the sophisticated people get to show up and and have their turn so is it fair to say that these like in the in the same way i think my my view has kind of changed this i used to consider myself sort of like a value investor in quotes and like looking for stocks with low PEs or price to book or, or things like that. And then the view that I've kind of adopted as I've gotten more into crypto is that like those things are just memes that like a lot of people agree because Warren Buffett said, you know, you want to get cheap stocks or Ben Graham or whatever, right? Like they're looking for these metrics. And then it's the human thinking that those metrics are desirable. What That's what's causing the buy. And, and in the same way that a human thinking that a W formation is bullish. That's the, that's what's happening, right? A human is deciding that this is a W and that means buy. So is that like, do you see these kind of trading signals as just like memes in the brains of traders that you're trying to like be one step ahead of, or is there some kind of like fundamental force of nature that's happening in this W that's causing it to be, to be bullish or that that's, you know, for whatever reason that's causing to, to break down. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, in some ways, both things are happening, right? And, and, and one thing, though, especially, you know, if, you, if, if you're trying to be smarter than everybody else, uh, often you can be misled into being a contrarian, right? So you might be like, oh, I'm going to short this W because everybody thinks it's going to play out. So it's not going to play out because everybody thinks it's going to play out, right? Sometimes just like the smart thing to do is just like, let's just go with the crowd, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, and and uh, sorry, what was the second part of your question? Are these chart formations just a meme, or are they kind of like an actual force, uh, you know, natural force in the market that's showing up? Right, right. So yeah, okay. That's why I was saying both. Like yeah, so so the meme part is like yeah, the the crowd, the meme. Yeah, just go with the crowd. <laughs> if 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 there's a lot of people coming into Bitcoin, right? Like if it's a quiet market. No, that, it's probably not going to happen, right? But if, if there's just like a ton of people coming in, that's when the memes like start to show up, right? So, um, yeah, if you, if you start seeing like increased volatility, you go look at like the on-chain metrics, you see new accounts being printed every day. Uh, I think that's when the memes like start having their strength. That's when like all the, you know, that's why instead of W bottoms having a, you know, a 60% chance or whatever, they start having an 80% chance um, because that's all anybody knows that, that, you know, or majority of the crowd knows. Um, And then the actual like mechanics of it, um, you know, it, 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 it is interesting. The part of it that confuses me, like I get who the people are buying the bottom. That's, that's the, the smart money, right? That's the people that are, that have something that's, that's telling them, that this is the place that you want to be a buyer, right? And then the people that are selling at the top, right? That, again, that's the smart money. And so I guess just like the people that are filling it in are the are the are the dumb money, right? I, I don't know. That that's that's the part where I get confused. Is like who fills in 
the the part from the bottom to the top of the w um you know is 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 that just like noise like you know they talk about they talk about these like random walks right or it's like if 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 you and i are trading uh you know once we start getting hundreds and hundreds of market participants then you know maybe the price just like starts wandering around for all these various reasons that you can't really pinpoint got it okay this this brings up something that you know you're talking about smart money institutions you mentioned the other day that you were on a call with one of one of these like investor calls with a you know a bank and they were kind of pumping different coins or bullish on stuff do you get on these calls regularly and kind of try to develop a sense of what the institutions are doing so you can front run them oh i mean i'm <laughs> i'll get on any call anyone invite me to i like i yeah I, i'm i'm just like i just want information and I, I don't trade everything right i don't trade every like piece of information that comes my way i'm i'm pretty obsessed with just like information in general um but no i'm not like i'm not like out there just like hunting for you know calls for like inside scoops or something like that um I, I'm pretty good at finding <laughs> finding things on my own without having to go have someone else like tell me to look at something. Um, I spend a lot of time uh, just on the internet, like looking through things, um, forums, websites. I mean, you know, even just like hunting through other people's wallets on Ethereum, finding coins that I've never seen before, researching those coins. Like, you know, go, going down like these these rabbit holes and then eventually like, okay, cool. Let's go move some funds to their website and, and try it out. Or like, let's move funds to this alt chain and see why everybody's into it. You know, um, like for instance, like I was on Polygon like really, really early and, you know, early on on Polygon, like you could send transactions back and forth, like nearly instantly with no, you know, no delays or anything like super cheap. And now it's still super cheap, but it's like, it's lagging, right? So that that like firsthand experience, like you can't really get. I mean, you could have someone tell you that in a call. Like I just told you that right now. But like, if you didn't use it, then it, it doesn't mean as much to you. Like you know, if you if you weren't there every single time, it costs a thousand dollars to swap on Sushi Swap because Ethereum gas fees like shot up as the price was going down. Um, like you know, that won't be as meaningful to you when you get on Ethereum and the, and the fees are low because no one's using it and you're just like, oh, this is a, a safe space. Speaking of Polygon, this is a question that I'm, I've been thinking a lot about. This morning, I was able to do about four or five Ethereum transactions that I've kind of been wanting to do, but gas is so crazy and just kind of like meaning to do. And so like using Ethereum for me has kind of become like this special occasion, right? Like you're like, looking for the right time to do it. I'm not a huge whale. Like even, even if I had a lot more money, I would still be not happy to spend. Yeah, no, I think you have to have like 10 million minimum right now to be, to be even thinking about swapping on, on any of these, you know, during the day, especially. Right. So Ethereum is going to become the special occasion chain. Um, all of the other chains, you know, Solana, Phantom, Polygon have all had incredible pumps, but it just seems like now there's more and more coming out. How do you see that dynamic coming? Like, like my initial thought was, okay, uh, do you know vfat.tools? That's like the, the site where you can find new farms. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't spent much time on it, but I've definitely been there a couple times. My my initial thought was just like as soon as a chain comes on the top of vfat.tools, you just want to buy their native token and just sit on it because they've all had these incredible pumps like Phantom, you know, thousands of percent Polygon. And once there's just some like minimum threshold of activity, then you would just buy them. So that's kind of like my naive approach to that. But I'm wondering if you have how you like, how would you play that trade? Just like the Ethereum is too crowded, we need to move to layer layer twos or alt chains or whatever. But like, how do you think about about that process that's going on? And like, do you have a preferred way to to play that? I mean, I, I kind of think it's bullshit. Like, I think that this is just a patch, you know, like a, a rough patch or whatever. That, um, that you know, what what's going to happen is they're going to get a lot of traffic to be moved onto all these side chains, right? And that's going to free up some room on Ethereum. And then, you know, Ethereum does have like promised upgrades in the future, right? That are supposed to make it a little bit nicer to use. We'll see if those play out. Um, but I think that the, I, I, I like your idea. I liked your idea of, um, you know, look for a chain that's just showing up and getting some traffic by it early, right? But I think that this trade might be, like th this could be a, a trade that's sort of playing out and almost over. Um, you know, you know when <laughs> if you go sort on like CoinGecko right now, um, like the top like fifteen or whatever cryptos are all these side chains, right? So I just don't know how much more room there is in this trade. Um, I think I think most of it is over. You you might be able to get a couple of the you know. Uh, I, I like one of the ones that I like is Phantom. The just from a technical perspective, it's like it's looking pretty good. There might be like some room to run there, uh, and then you know maybe Solana goes up to five hundred from here. Um, but just to, that that risk reward's not there anymore, right? It, it went up a thousand percent already, and now you're looking at a double, um, and it could it, it could go minus fifty from here, right? Pretty easy. There's a lot of room underneath it. Um, so yeah, if you if you could catch some new like gem that's like just emerging, I think it's there. I think again that the trade is kind of like playing out, and now everybody's going to be putting eyes on like what's the next what's the next crypto cycle trade, right? Like because we 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 sort of saw like the the NFT thing, and now the NFTs are you know I mean individual NFTs right are still going for like insane prices, but um, the certainly everybody moved over and now staring at this like um scaling like let's let's scale ethereum um but if you remember like once once the volatility dies down right and and all the people that aren't actually here for the long run um you know go out the door and and go find something else to do um there's there's going to be a lot more room for the people like us that are planning to stick around in the long run and use ethereum so is this kind of like the moment where the United States has like 500 car companies and every, you know, there's this innovation, suddenly the market is flooded and then the enthusiasm kind of wanes and then a few kind of big winners emerge? 
Yeah, I think so. I really do. I think uh, the only difference, though, is you, and, and we talked about this on our podcast with you a little bit, is that the crypto, you know, if, as long as there's somebody out there that's willing to run some servers and, you know, support the cryptocurrency, it's not going to go anywhere. So, uh, you know, they, they're going to be around for the the midterm. And I mean, like, probably into next cycle, right? Like, you're going to see these names popping up again five or six years from now or four, you know, four or five, however long it's going to be. So I wanted to, to go back to also something you said earlier about finding low cap kind of hidden gems and wanted to see if you could dig a little bit deeper on your process for that. So you said you kind of stock wallets. Do you use anything like Nansen AI or any tools like that to sort of identify things or what what are you what are you looking at to find these new emerging projects that are interesting to you? Um, no, the, the, the Nansen, absolutely not. I, I, I've had people, you know, show me that or whatever, tell me things. I'm, I'm just, I'm just hesitant towards stuff like that just because it's like, oh, there's so many people on there. Um, the other thing is like, everybody's doing these like order book sniping thing. I just, I just, to me, it just feels like a crowded trade. Um, I, I personally like discord. It's just like go meet some people get involved in like uh, like at least five or six different communities pay attention to what people are talking about and like join all the amas that are offered um and yeah eventually like you catch wind of something um I, so the, the thing is though like my my strategy is like not like i'm not, I'm not you know I, I don't work for anyone right it's just me so I'm not, I, I, I'm not like, I'm not like sticking to something. So for instance, when I, when I first discovered, discovered pickle.finance, right. Um, what was that? 2020 end of 2019, uh, or was it 2020? I can't remember COVID. That was like DeFi summer. Yeah. Yeah. COVID, um, has, has like added that extra year. I can't remember when anything happens. Um, so anyways, I, I first discovered that that was like a moment where everything was like really still quiet in the DeFi space. And so through like a chain of events uh, in discovering Pickle, I was able to find like three or four different projects. One of them was Badger um, before they were, before they were even launched. Um, and so, you know, I ended up getting like these airdrops and um, you know, that the, the thing I really like about the airdrops is like, you know, the first one I got, I was just like, Oh, these guys are suckers. Right. And then the next four I got, I like went and researched the project and was just like, holy crap, this sounds pretty cool. Um, I'm not only going to accept this airdrop, but on the day it releases, you know, I'm going to wait for a buying opportunity and just like go in pretty heavy on this project. So kind of human intelligence, looking at Discord, chatting with people is is the best source that you know of. Yeah, yeah. I think everything else is like you're getting spoon fed a trade from somebody else, right? Like, so like you know somebody somebody tells me about something on discord like you know nine times out of ten you know nine, 90 times out of a hundred they're just feeding me crap right but you look at enough crap all of a sudden like somebody gives you something good and you're just like oh wow this you know i, I actually see where this project 
um, you know, is deriving their value from. I see, you know, I see the quality that they're putting into their marketing, like, you know, um, th these sorts of things. Like, you know, really, it's it's like that ten thousand hour rule, right? Like the PhD thing. You spend you spend so much time in the space looking at the the stuff that doesn't matter. That the day that something comes along that does matter. Um, you know, you really, you really push into it because you're just like, oh, wow, I see how this stands out from other things. Um, like for instance, um, like Luna, I, uh, you know, I, I watched Luna like go up and crash and I, you know, in, in April and May, and I was just like, okay, well, that, you know, this thing's called Luna. That's really stupid. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I really, I really was cynical about it. And then I started like looking into it more, you know, I told you I, I'm pretty bullish on stable coins now. And so I was like, okay, this, this is an interesting stable coin play, right? I can, I can go long on a, on a, an asset that backs a stable coin, like the, you know, similar trade to maker. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know, so I, like I posted that in, in foot guns and was just like, Hey, from now on, we're, we're going to follow Luna every day. It's at $6 and you know, right now it's trading at 40. Um, and you know, I even got pushback when I, you know, people were like, oh, you're just, uh, you're just pushing a trade that all these hedge funds are into. And it's just like, yeah, dude, like if the hedge funds are buying it, like in your small, you can move faster than them. Like get, get in front of them, like buy it, sell it to them at the, at the highs. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk, let's move a little bit to, to foot guns. Cause like, this is, you know, I, I'm a subscriber. I was one of, I guess I found you're posting stuff about it in the Badger Discord where we both were. So I think that's how I find it. And you do a podcast and also a newsletter. Um, so could you just give us a little like backstory on that and introduce us to uh, to Boomer and how you guys uh, launched it and what where is it going? Yeah, um, I I've known Boomer now I think like twelve years, and you know he's been in the global macro space for a long time. Um, uh, and 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 he was in private equity for a while, um, you know. But I went off in. Oh, I mean, I was I was doing the physics stuff for a long time, um, and then I you know went off and did the horse racing thing. Um, small stint in the hedge fund space. So you know we we met through my small stint in the hedge fund space, um, and then you know we've we've been back and forth for a number of years. Um, he he almost got Bitcoin right in twenty. 17 when i was just like hey you know i i bought this at nine thousand, just sold some at seventeen thousand. like you know what what do you think is going to happen here do you think this thing's got more room to run and he was like oh i think it trades sideways for a few years and he was almost right i mean he was almost right in the crypto sense of like you know it it, <laughs> it crashed 80 percent, and then you know had right i think 2019 it like ran up to to fourteen thousand again um but you know we we really started talking again in uh november when i was just like hey um you know i, I really like went went heavy into bitcoin at, at 3k because i i thought it would recover and like look at look at it recovering and i was just like and you know this whole stock to flow model and DeFi space i was like i think this thing's actually got way more room to run um and then like you know DeFi was was getting interesting right i don't i don't think I don't think this would have, we would have done foot guns if DeFi wasn't so interesting because you know 
I started trying to explain to him like smart contracts and sushi swap and Uniswap and Badger and all these, you know, like like um, the algorithmic stable coins and you know NFTs. It's, it's just the space is just so deep, right? Um, and he was just like, "Whoa!" Like you know, you're sending me hours and hours and hours of these messages explaining this stuff. Like you know, people people that aren't into crypto need to hear about what's going on because this is this is no longer like hodl your bitcoins and you know hope for hope for a pump or whatever this is this is actually like becoming an interesting space now um and yes bitcoin is still like a big part of the space like the heart of the space um you know the the, the store of value or whatever um so then um you know it, it, Basically, I told him about like my trading strategy that I have, these tools that I use, and you know he's like, okay, well let's let's test this thing. Um, so he gave me a couple of setups on uh, copper and oil, natural gas, um, uh, even the S and P five hundred, um, and I made some just like excellent calls that he even traded. Um, so he was like, okay, like this is what we're going to do. Let's put out a cheat sheet for our paid subscribers where you, you know, sort of give people these same calls that you gave me to make that I was able to trade successfully. Uh, Cause that's worth a ton of money. And then, you know, we're, we're going to give people our commentary on the crypto space and we're going to stay pretty anonymous so that we can like, you know, we, we just, we just got really good feedback on our recent article about, uh, the Coinbase, you know, tweet storm that went out to the SEC. Um, and, it, and you know, I went and read like what a lot of other people were saying about it. And, and it was just like a bunch of copy pasta. You know, they're just like congratulating Coinbase for taking a stand and sticking up for crypto. And, it's, and, and you know, we're, we're just at the point where it's just like, OK, let's let's get some regulation going on because DeFi is really interesting. And like the regulation needs to promote DeFi and there we you know let's let's get rid of this infighting and the us versus them thing and like let's just move forward and and you know teach teach the old folk what they need to know and then you know and and, and to be fair like you know the these sec whatever like you know they screwed up in uh 2008 2009 in a pretty big way but there's there's people that are involved in those spaces that have have knowledge and wisdom and past experience that they could bring to the crypto space and make it better. And, you know, so I, I would love to see that. The thing that I really like about your podcast is because is that it has two, like you're the crypto native guy and he's the kind of hedge fund crypto curious guy. Right. And it's like, you can see the interplay between both of you in real time. And it's the same way, you know, like I think about my kind of journey and onboarding, I was, you know, in this group last summer during DeFi summer that kind of just like, you know, it's like when you're in the roller coaster and it shoots you from zero to 70 miles an hour, that kind of feeling of what, of what's going on. And you can kind of like recreate that in the same time. I think there's not enough good resources out there to sort of bridge that gap, right? Like crypto definitely has an onboarding problem um, because it's so, so many steps. There's not just a, you know, DeFi button in your Vanguard that you can press, right? Like there's, there's a lot of knowledge that ha someone has to have before they can even do transactions and much less like do high dollar value transactions and the stakes are really high, right? Like there are a lot of mistakes that you can make that 
will re result in permanent loss of funds in crypto. Um, so yeah, like I think, in, in, and the name of your newsletter really speaks to that, right? Like foot guns, right? Like it's trying to avoid people blowing up and making dumb mistakes. So I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, it's great. It's great what you guys are doing and you have, have a companion podcast, right? The podcast is public or there's some private for subscribers and some public. How does that work? Yeah. Uh, right. For instance, uh, one, you know, one of the, the podcasts that we did for our private, uh, people was, you know, the, sy the system that I use for trading, um, you know, Boomer went on uh, <laughs> interactive brokers and put on, I don't know, like something like a hundred grand of risk. And um, I, I was literally just like yelling numbers out to him in the podcast of where I thought he should um, get out of the trade. You know, it was a, it, it was a, a moment where there was a lot of volatility and it was a, like a five minute long trade. He, he he closed it like, you know, up 10 grand. Um, so, you know, stuff like that, giving out to the private people so they can hear like, hey, this is what it's like if you're, uh, you know, someone that's like putting on a bunch of risk and like trying to get a short term trade and like, you know, the emotions that are involved and um, the emotions you need to ignore and like how, you know, how we stuck to a system that we had even even in the middle of all of it. And then, you know, uh, another one for the for the private people that we did was like a trade that I put on um, and how I managed that trade um, where, you know, so for the, for the free, for the free part um, it's, it's more of like our commentary on the space and um, you know, uh, trying to give people some perspective on uh, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, memes is a really good word. Like for instance, um, really early on, I, th I think this is before we actually launched foot guns, but we were putting out the podcast um, you know, to, to practice and to make sure that once we launch foot guns, it'd be a quality product. Um, but I, I called the Dogecoin top like perfectly because, you know, there was this whole event of Saturday, Saturday Night Live and how Elon Musk is going to be on Saturday Night Live. And, you know, I was just like, I'm just seeing a lot of chatter in the space that like Elon Musk is going to somehow go on to Saturday Night Live and like rescue the Doge trade. And, um, you know, I mean, the thing, the thing just like started going down like every single word he spoke on the show right <laughs> um so yeah that 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 kind of commentary especially when we see something that people aren't bringing to light right if if crypto twitter is just you know praising something that really needs to have a more critical view on and, and not necessarily like we're just going to go and like you know be negative um, it's just if we see something that like you should be looking out for and, you know, just because you need to be looking out for it doesn't necessarily mean it happens all the time. Right. For the Doge top, were you just kind of like selling, you know, sell the news or was it your, your indicators were telling you that this was toppy? Uh, yeah, no, this was a, I don't even think I ever like pulled up a chart on it. I, I just had, I knew people um that had bought dogecoin you know at what 10 cents or something like that and they literally like you know texted me being like hey you know crypto is doing pretty well lately did you see dogecoin it's like i bet it's gonna go crazy after saturday night live and i was just like okay uh that's that's a top signal like as clear as day i've ever seen so um, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily like, oh, this is the top. It's just like, hey, you should probably be warned 
that a bunch of people that bought Dogecoin that don't know why they bought it now think that Elon Musk is going to go on to Saturday Night Live and make some announcement about like how Dogecoin is going to be the world's new currency or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the Elon stuff is is really interesting. Like, I think I think I wrote a tweet about this, but like we're going to enter a world where every billionaire is kind of like the patron of their own crypto. Like you can kind of see it like the way Elon adopted Doge and is kind of trying to pump it and associate himself with it. I just think like, I don't know, you guys talk about influencer tokens, but I think these billionaires are trying or kind of like realizing that it's here and want to get behind it, but also exert influence on it in a way. I think there's uh what is his name? Croissant, the Twitter account Croissant had a good um had a good thread on this. But like how do you feel about that kind of like personality adoption and the the that that merger? No, that's spot on. I mean, think about it. Um you know, most people when they think of, when they hear Dogecoin now, they like they associate Elon Musk, right? Like so that you know, as far for him, like that's the cheapest ad, ad campaign he's ever run, right? <laughs> But yeah, I do. I do think other people are going to catch on to that, and and you're you're going to see. I mean, certainly there's going to be a billionaire that just like launches their own token, right? But yeah, you're you're also going to see billionaires getting behind, you know, some existing token that you know they think that they can pump or they can get that audience. That's the audience of the token um, to start paying attention to them. Yes, yes, the token audience. That's that's a big thing. I mean, that's. Like something I've realized with like the podcast is like, you know, crypto is full of these like intense sub communities that have their own audiences, right? And like getting your message aligned with these other sub audiences is a great way to build up your own audience or it's it's kind of like the, one of the most powerful forces in crypto, like regardless of what you're trying to do. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I wanted to ask about Footgun's uh, newsletter just recently airdropped a token to, I guess, subscribers and other people like supporters of, of the newsletter. So I thought that was really interesting. Can you give us the backstory on that? And what's, uh, what's the token? You know, like, for the first question is when token, you've answered that. Now the second question is when uh, value accrual to token, it's kind of like how every token conversation goes. So what's the what's what's happening with it? Yeah, so I mean, certainly experiment, right? But this is this is my intention. And, and well, before I start though, the the airdrop is ongoing. Uh, September thirtieth will be the end of it. Anybody that goes, you know, all you have to do is sign up for a minimum of a month and send us a, a public Ethereum address, and we'll send you some tokens. Um, we we did it to teach people right we were that the number one goal is a, as a teaching tool um i i've put out this series in the newsletter you know uh called how to DeFi. you know uh, there, there's there's several other people out there that have done a, a similar type series um but you know just trying to point out to people like how to get actually do this how to go install the software that you need to start interacting with DeFi protocols um, with with a bit of my commentary mixed in about what could go wrong, you know, which is 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 the foot guns thing. It's the thing that seems to be missing from a lot of tutorials, right? Is they're just like, yeah, install this, go on here, swap this, boom, you're done. And it's like, okay, well, you know, what happens if Ethereum's gas fees go up to a thousand dollars per swap, and you just put your tokens into a, a pool, you know, and 
um, th that sort of thing. So I, I created the token on Polygon and I did it using a 17 minute long YouTube tutorial, um, which I've linked on our Twitter and I'll eventually write something more to put out to the newsletter so that everyone can see, you know, how they can go create their own tokens. Um, and then, you know, because uh, what I wanted to do was give something for people that went and installed a MetaMask to do if they didn't want to go spend, you know, $60 or whatever it is to transfer funds around on Ethereum right now. You know, it's very expensive to move a small amount of funds around. So you can't really like go like play with these things, right? So uh, what's what's awesome is that, you know, SushiSwap now you know, on Polygon, you can also just make a pool uh, and put whatever you want in it. So I made my own token and then and then we took $10,000 uh, and we paired this token up against $10,000 and put it into a SushiSwap pool. And so then we also handed out a little bit of Matic to our subscribers. So any anyone that wants to basically can go and get, you know, I can't remember exactly what the value of the token is right now, um, but somewhere between like 10 and 30 bucks and go and try all these different um, DeFi protocols on Polygon. And on Polygon, you can make like 10,000 swaps, right? For for a penny or something like that. So with this tiny amount of money that we we, we basically handed out through our token, um, you know, people can go out and try DeFi for the first time. Um, so that was, that was part one of your question, which is, right, when token, uh, the di you know, right. I just want to point out the difference between our token and like something like, you know, some of the tokens that creator tokens that I've seen people handing out is that we have an active market for our token, right? You can go on Polygon right now and, and trade our token all you want. Um, and so then, you know, part two of that is like token uh, value accrual. So what our plan uh, to do is, you know, the end of the quarter, September, you know, call it September 30th. Um, we're going to look at how much money Footguns has made since its release. We've only we've only been out for a month and a half, right? Um, and we will take 10% of all the money we've made and buy back our token out of that SushiSwap pool and then send what we bought back to a null address, you know, effectively deleting the token. Um, so it will, you know, it'll increase the value of the token inside of that uh, sushi swap pool. So anybody that wants to, you know, cash out on that, thinking that we're not going to then make more money in the next quarter, uh, can do that. But um, yeah, we're, you know, we we, we have two thousand five hundred subscribers after, you know, just just barely two months of existing. Um, we're we're really happy with our growth. Um, we're also really happy with the Footguns token campaign. It's uh, it's converted a lot of free subscribers to paid subscribers, and it has brought in new um, subscribers. And the part that's my favorite is like people are talking to us now. Um, like we, we we made a Discord to to go along. You don't have to have the token. You don't even have to pay um, to subscribe to Footguns. You can join our Discord, and we're just like you know we're talking about the markets, we're talking about crypto news, we're talking about um, the stock markets even, um, and you know so it's just it's really heightened the involvement that we've gotten from our readers, and and that's that's what we want, right? Because um, that that sort of like community 
hive mind, like, you know, someone's going to point something out to me and then I'm going to be able to, to tell, tell all the other readers about it. Um, if I think it's interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. I was, um, I saw in your discord, you were also talking about using the token as a way to vote on which coins you cover. Is that something that you're thinking seriously about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, uh, obviously right now we have, so we, we have, I think we have, we're at like 53 Ethereum addresses that are holding the token. Um, and we're only, we're only getting about like five or six active people in the discord. So just for, you know, right now, if, if, if that's the only involvement we're going to get, then yeah, I mean, maybe we run this experiment with just, just without using the actual token itself, but having like some voting within the discord and then if that is received well by our readers, um, what I would want to do is um, do a do a big how-to guide of like how are we going to transform uh, you know this simple ERC twenty token that I made on Polygon into a governance token um, because there's 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 many routes to go right um, so that that's that's what I want right I, I don't want this to just be like hey I decided this is going to be a governance token. I, you know, I'm presenting, hey, this could be a governance token. Here's my initial idea. How does everyone feel about that? And then how, you know, how can this be a, a way that we, we teach our readers something that they, they don't know already, uh, you know, make them smarter? Awesome. So I wanted to, to shift gears a little bit because the way, the way we met was on uh, Badger, some calls around Badger, and I guess we should like both disclose, or at least I should disclose, like I am doing some paid work for Badger on their marketing stuff. Um, and you are now a member of the Badger council. So like you have kind of a, what is it? Seven members, there's seven, several are the core team and several are community members. So you have one of the community member seats on, on the council. So uh, welcome to our new uh, council member. And you took over for, I guess, Gabriel Haynes, who uh, went on to other things. But um, what uh, what drew you to Badger? Why why do you like it? And what what was like strong enough to to make you want to be such an involved person to the point of being on the council? Yeah, um, I think. Let's see. There's there's two parts of the story. One is you know the emergence of BlockFi, and then uh, like BlockFi becoming you know, taken more seriously, a lot more money moving over there. Um, I, I personally use BlockFi to get some leverage. It last, was it like last, uh, or sorry, two, two Augusts ago. Um, uh, sorry, 2020. Yeah. Um, I, I took some money over there and borrowed against my Bitcoin. Right. And then I went and bought more Bitcoin with the money that I borrowed. Uh, I closed that trade in December 2020 after after Bitcoin ran up into the 20,000s. Um, so I, I, I had already started looking into this idea of like earning yield on your Bitcoin. You know, that was a product that BlockFi offers is that if I if I have my Bitcoin on their website, um, you know, they'll they'll give me some return and they generate their return through a couple of different ways. One of them is by lending the Bitcoin out. Um, so I like that idea. What I didn't like about it is when I tried to withdraw my Bitcoin, you know, you, you get an email from them that says, 
you know, hey, hold up one second. Like, we got to make sure you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, through this pickle.finance thing, started really learning about DeFi and yield. And, you know, um, I, I, when I say yield, I mean, uh, like, yeah, urine, right? Um, urine finance. And um, I, you know, so I, 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 I really like this idea of like bringing things onto Ethereum and, right, staking them for yield versus sending them off to like BlockFi and just hoping that, you know, whatever they're doing in the background, um, you know, is safe. And, you know, the, ri- the risk is different, right? The, the risk is that you don't have control of your funds, wherein in smart contracts, you have some control of your funds. However, if there, you know, if there's something wrong with the smart contract that no one knows about, and then some you know, person finds out about uh, before the developers can fix it, then you could literally just like have all your funds stolen. Um, so, you know, the, the risks are similar, except for, right, you, you, you just have more control in DeFi. Um, so then I, disco- I discovered HoneySwap, which was on the XDAI smart chain. Um, you know, th- this was like one of the first times Ethereum started getting, you know, really high fees and everyone was like, okay, let's, Let's move over to XDAI and see how that goes. And, and it really didn't pick up. It didn't really get much liquidity. Um, but on the HoneySwap Discord, um, before Badger launched, um, there was an AMA um, where uh, Spada, I don't, I, I don't know exactly how, how he wants people to uh, re- refer to him public, um, but you know, the guy that, that founded Badger, um, uh, he, you know, he gave an AMA talking about like earning yield on Bitcoin on the blockchain. And for me, that was just like easy done. Like day this comes out, I'm, I'm bringing my Bitcoin over from BlockFi and, and putting it on Badger. Um, and then because of all the various things that I had been doing in DeFi, like, um, you know, staking on, uh, SushiSwap LPs and, um, uh, you, you know, using using Uniswap, whatever. Uh, I can't remember exactly all the different ways that Badger qualified people for their airdrop, um, but I got an airdrop on like two different wallets. Um, so then, I, you know, I was like, okay, I I want to get long this thing because I think yield on Bitcoin. You know, I have a, I have a long term um, Bitcoin thesis, right? Like, I've like I've got like a five ten year Bitcoin thesis, like let's put a bit of risk on and uh, try and earn some yield on my Bitcoin, right? So, um, yeah, I just, I couldn't see how Badger doesn't grow as Bitcoin grows in some, you know, proportional way. And and I think uh, I think disproportionately faster because it's it's a small market cap and, and it's a new space, you know, it's a new product. It has a lot of room to grow. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's offering a really solid product. I, I went into the discord, started seeing like what the team was doing. And I, I saw all the, the feedback they were getting from the community. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the, I, I see it as having very similar risks to a lot of other DeFi protocols, but it's just uh, like a superior product. Yeah. I think that echoes my take on it. And it, it just makes sense. Like the interoperability between blockchains like you can't really do DeFi on Bitcoin. Where are you going to de- do DeFi on Ethereum? And then secondarily, these other chains, and they're they're working on these other chains too. And then now Badger, through their partnership with Ren, has uh, 
a fee split on the bridge. So if every time Bitcoin is brought over to DeFi, Badger's earning a fee. Is that going to accelerate? Are people going to want to do DeFi using their Bitcoin, which is the biggest asset? That seems kind of like a no-brainer, right? It just seems like if they can manage these smart contract risks, which so far they have been doing, is this thing going to be bigger in five years? I think yes, right? Even if there is some, you know, hack, whatever, they have 34 different pools. So it's it's very unlikely that I think all of those would get affected, right? Or even more than one. So yeah, I'm just really bullish long-term. I think, you know, it's, it's at the intersection of these two big trends. Um, so then you've uh, just recently joined the council. So like that means you're kind of voting on big picture decisions and how to spend money and, and the future of the protocol. So like, what uh what can we expect from the end and i should say on your on your on the badger discord you're known as 1500 badger um so what can we expect from the 1500 badger regime yeah i've uh, been thinking about that a lot i you know i i think one of the things that is gonna change right i mean if we get there right from first of all we're 1500 badger is also like you know, hundred fifty thousand plus dollar Bitcoin, right? So, I don't. Know, do we get there this cycle? Uh, I, you know, I I still think probably. Do we stay there this cycle? Mm, that you know, that's a harder question to answer. Um, but I, you know, I think how it becomes sustainable is you know much larger players start coming in. Um, you get a lot more political involvement, uh, and what I mean by that is. We start seeing, you know, some more talk in in campaigns, and they could they could just be state level, um, but we we get some more talk about like, hey, these are investment tools that our citizens want to use, and you know, how can we make them safer for 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 them to use, uh, which you know is like right regulatory involvement. Um, so I don't I don't really see it being like being that valuable in the current like wild wild west sort of situation that we're in inside of DeFi, which is everyone sort of like bickering about how like oh we don't want the government involved in this because how could they even you know tell me what to do with my crypto or whatever um you know if 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 this is to be taken more seriously um it has to be taken more seriously by everyone you know not just the people who are already involved in it so you're looking to to have Badger move to a more regulated simpatico with the government, like that kind of trend has to play out in that way. And you're looking to push the protocol in that direction. Is that a fair recap of what you said? Uh, I mean, push push in that direction. I don't I don't think like Badger has to necessarily push in that direction. I think like uh, the DeFi space is naturally pushing in that direction. I mean, we saw the Uniswap. Uh, fun forming, you know, um, you see, the, like, uh, you know, Ave is making some move towards like uh, bringing institutions in. Um, Badger has, you know, has this thing with Fireblocks that's been that, that's been moving forward towards like finding a way to bring institutions in. Um, Sushi Swab was like talking about in Trident about like private LP pools. So I think like there's like a sort of natural movement in the space. Um, the you know the, the the people that know how to regulate this i just don't think exists yet right i think there's like 
I think there's some clever, you know, lawyers out there or whatever that are like working it out and will make it public to people. I, I don't necessarily think Badger needs to like be the, the revolution, like, you know, pushing this um, revolutionary, like regulatory regime. Um, you know, what I've seen from, from the team so far is that they're, they're being very cautious about not breaking any, you know, existing uh, regulations, which I think is a smart move. Um, I just think that there needs to be, you know, there needs to be some way for, you know, my grandma or whatever in her IRA to be like, I want to use this yield product and on her, on her end, she has no idea that she's using DeFi or Badger or whatever. And that cannot happen unless there's, you know, strong, stricter regulations and more, um, you know, y- unity between existing financial systems and this new DeFi space. Um, certainly, you know, if, if, there's, if there's a way for Badger to be involved in, in that, I'd love to see it. I just think this is what happens when you get more money, right? If, uh, you know, we're talking about a 10x in the market cap of, of Badger, right? So if, if, you, if you're starting to have that, that amount of funding available to you, okay, now, you know, now you have the ability to hire, you know, you know, smarter lawyers and, and regulatory people and, you know, lobbying type people and that sort of thing. Have you been following this um, LexPunk DAO project that's, that's been launched? There's a, a, a proposal on Yearn to fund it. And I think maybe like Lido and some of the other um, bigger protocols have funded this legal advocacy group. And I don't, it's kind of like, I'm, you know, it's still forming. So they're doing some stuff around the Wyoming Dow law and they're doing some stuff around uh, providing legal resources and template documents and stuff for DAOs to kind of clean themselves up. And they had a, a thread on um, how to, like, I'm not totally clear on this. I'd like to have um, Gabriel on, who's one of the, the founders of it. But, um, you know, like this are you sufficiently decentralized seems to be a big question that the regulators are asking. So it's like making this a direct connection between the governance process of a DAO and how regulators will look at it. If it's decentralized, like what they don't want is for these, like, you know, a couple of VCs and a founder to have like a fig leaf of decentralization over what is like a very centralized project. Like they want it to be you know, they're, they're looking at some measure of like true decentralization and community control. And so that goes right to the, to the governance process and, and how it works. So have you thought anything about that? Like the, the direct connection between governance and your role in it versus this regulatory question? Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I, I don't think this ever made it on our podcast, but like talking to Boomer about this, you know, that, it could it could end up just being something as simple as badger makes like a button that you know some regulatory whatever group can press that gives them an audit of the system right and like any DeFi person will be like well they could just do that themselves and just like okay yeah but like if that's all they're asking for just like give it to them come on um i i'm yeah, I, sorry. I'm now. I'm, now I'm just like trying to think. Like, hey, okay, tell tell me again. Was there another part of your question that I didn't answer? 
The connection between governance and the amount of decentralization in a protocol's governance and the sort of regulatory permission it gives them, right? Like, they're... yeah, yeah. I, th I think that, that goes to a point that I was making about the auditing thing. It was just, just like, yeah, like, how do you prove, you know, certainly we all want to be protected from the DeFi project that's really the two, you know, the two guys that are making all the decisions, trying to make it look like it's a decentralized, like, you know, um, so yeah, so, you know, Wyoming's making that like first step towards trying to like, can we actually write down on a piece of paper? Like what, what makes a DAO a DAO? Um, I, you know, I, I was saying this the other day and like the badger chat, I think, I think over on discord, I, I think over the next 10 years, we get to see which protocols are actually decentralized. Right. And like, you're going to see what, what decentralized governance it actually looks like. Um, I think, you know, I think a year and a half into, you know, popular DAOs being popular DAOs, some of them are like less than a year old, um, that nobody knows what decentralized governance looks like. Right. Like everybody's just taking a stab at it. Everybody has their own, own different setups. Everybody gave out tokens in a different way. Um, you know, uh, different levels of VC backing, different levels of visibility. Um, you know, I, I, at one point I put up on my name, like $1,500 Badger LLC, right? Because um, I was, you know, I was just arguing in the chat with a couple of people about like, you know, how, how is Badger DAO a DAO, right? Like what, what, what can you like point to me that really, really makes it different than you know a limited liability company i you know i i, I want to see it happen i think badger is one of the closest um DAOs out there that i've i've seen as far as like the governance is run um sushi is another favorite of mine um so yeah i mean i i i, I think it's an open question i think that um how you set up the govern governance is, is the like that is that's the the key point right i mean it's the there, there's nothing else really that makes a DAO different in my opinion than than like the way governance is structured and just giving out a token and letting your token holders vote doesn't make you too different um than a, you know uh an equity offering right yes well yeah, there's 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 a lot to unpack here. Maybe we can do another episode about this. I'm I'm really interested in this, and I'd like to get someone who is a lawyer or, you know, looking at the, at this kind of stuff. Like I think Gabriel would be a good person, or there's a, a ton of lawyers hanging out in this uh, Lex Punk Telegram group, so I'm kind of stalking that right now. Yeah, yeah. We I mean we really need more lawyers in DeFi at this point, right? That's that's a big hole I see. Um. So we've been going for a while. So let's kind of. Uh, bring this in for a landing. I think I was going to ask you, is it, is it too late to buy Solana? It seems like you're thinking the answer is probably yes. That's probably playing out now. So I'll just substitute, like, what's your highest conviction uh, crypto trade right now? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's hard not to just say Bitcoin here. I know that's like really boring. Um, it just, and, and when I, when I hear highest conviction, like in my mind, I'm like, if you were to, you know, if you were to, punch me in the head right now and I were to pass out for the next five years, which trade would I be like the happiest to have on right now? And like, that's, that's Bitcoin. Um, I'm, yeah, I, you know, I really like sushi. I think, I think sushi is going to be a big, 
a big DeFi player for a long time. Um, you know, I'm re a high conviction on Badger. I think Badger is like the most boring trade you can put on though. It's like, you know, go, go use the products, put your Bitcoin on, earn some yield, buy some Badger. It's, it's really not like uh, a, a very, uh, but that, that, you know, good trades are, are boring, right? A lot of the time. Yeah. I think, who is it? Peter Thiel had a quote about, you know, the obvious trade. Yeah. Everyone wants to be contrarian and figure out some smart, really under the radar thing. But if you had just bought like Google and Amazon, you'd be sitting, sitting pretty. And I think the same is true for like Bitcoin, Sushi, Badger, things, things of that nature, the things that we already know about. Um, so Hal 1500 Badger LLC, um, this has been awesome. I, I really appreciate, uh, the, the conversation and hope it's the first of many. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Cool. Take care. Thanks. You too.